0: Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. I am really looking forward to this. Not every time do I get a chance to chat with a guest Uh, of the show before uh, we even record. And I I had the opportunity to get to know our, our guest today and such a lovely professional parent leader Uh, within the education space. And so hopefully that will translate today in our discussion. But we're going to be talking to Kristen Greco. She is the CEO of PAR. Uh, She's responsible for the development and implementation of the company's core strategic goals and objectives. Large part is providing customer care, obviously, with a company that's been known for for decades. She obtained her bachelor's degree with a double major in psychology and Italian studies from Emory University and her MBA from St. John's University in Rome. Kristen, that doesn't sound like a a bad experience at all. Wonderful. Before joining the PAR team in 2010, she worked as a research dis- re- research assistant for Rhode Island Hospital and Brown University's Department of Neuropsychology, performed market research for Baxter at its location in Rome, and conducted data analytics procurement and contract negotiation duties for Johnson & Johnson. Kristen, nice to see you again.
1: It's so nice to see you as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I, what I really enjoyed about our last conversation was it's I think we can get stuck in in sort of playing the role that we are based on our LinkedIn profile and sort of the title that we have that, in essence, what I would call positional power, right, yeah. that if I hand you my card, this is what it represents, and or it says something about me and maybe the achievement level um, that I've obtained. But every once in a while, you talk with someone where it's like, that doesn't even matter. We're just talking as humans. You know, you're trying to do the best that you you can do as a parent and as a leader of a big organization. Uh, and we kind of find our way. And I really appreciated that. And we were talking off air just a few minutes ago about really sort of the, the time that we're living in and the impact of trauma um, on school, right? And, and the community that is uh, our local school system. And I wanted to sort of open that up. But if you wouldn't mind as sort of a precursor for those that, I mean, we obviously work in education, and so, you know, PAR is a very recognizable name. Can you give just a little bit of an elevator pitch on what PAR is and maybe isn't in that manner so that people just get some a grasp? And then I want to jump into that topic.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, just such a pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Um, We've been around for 45 years. Uh, We are a uh, psychological assessment provider across a variety of channels, education, healthcare, military, businesses, and organizations, and then um, mental health practitioners. So really, if you look across a lifespan, um, any critical life decision that their insights can help pave the way to a more productive and successful life, we have an instrument to help for that, so. Really just the passion is around helping others.
0: Well, it's a big job, an incredibly big task. And it also speaks to the ability, I think writ large, to be able to ask very big and poignant questions. I mean, I I go back into my old world of mental health and, you know, sometimes it just comes down to being able to understand context, right? Sort of that situation, uh, the situational variables and the questions that help to elicit an engaging conversation about sort of what is going on and or to assess a situation and so when you're doing it at this scale for 45 years that really speaks to quality and I think it speaks to the people that must be there like yourself to be able to really be successful uh, and to help so many people across the spectrum um, of professional uh, placement and, and, uh, and demographic so let's dive into the impact of trauma on, on school. I, this seems to be sort of a topic too, that it, it's kind of hard for people because it's like, we don't want to think about associating trauma and school, right? So we, maybe we don't talk about it or we just sort of brush yeah. it the rug.
1: It is. Um, and it's one that you hear about, but because of the sensitivity around the topic, it's not a fun thing to talk about, but it's one that's extremely important to me, not only just because of what we do as a company, but From a personal perspective, during my childhood, I had a few instances of trauma, which um, not until years later and and much therapy later did I realize that untreated, it it has implications And children these days. Their brains, their emotional responses, their coping skills, they're all still very much developing. And so... Um, I feel really passionate about raising awareness around the topic and having a dialogue around it, because as you said, uh, having information to know what it is that we're seeing, we can interpret it differently. And so just um, having an understanding of what trauma can look like in individuals, because it takes a variety of forms, uh, then we know what we might be seeing in front of us.
0: You know, historically, Kristen, I, I remember even outside of my own education, and thank you for trusting just to even share that little bit just about your background and experience that makes it uh, very personal for you, is that we, we've we kind of, it, it feels like historically sort of played along the edges here. It's like a survey here, conversation yeah. there. Yeah. You kind of hope and maybe cross your fingers that you've got a really good school counselor that's been able to identify something that maybe isn't out on the surface with a student or a group of students based on an event, whatever that is. Um, I, am going to make a guess here and you, you tell me because you guys are in the thick of it, but that what you're assessing now when it comes to young people and so trying to understand this sort of the algorithm of trauma has probably gotten a heck of a lot more sophisticated and not just because we know more, but because the set of problems and potential challenges that young people are going through are just more complex than what you and I went through growing up.
1: Yes. Absolutely. So let's just talk about what trauma is to start with and how it's changed over time. I mean, there were the ACEs studies in the past in terms of what trauma is. It can take, um, you know, it's abuse, neglect, violence, uh, the loss of a loved one, grief, natural disasters. But in the complex world that we live in now, it can be observing uh, violence. If you think about social media, technology or access to information, there's a lot of discussion in the news nowadays about um, the role, the impact that technology plays. And that certainly um, means trauma as well, if these children are observing information and uh, videos that, that have an impact on them. And uh, we're all different people, too. So what might be traumatizing to you because um, of your sensitivity levels or your coping skills, may not be to me and vice versa for kids out there. So it really is a very personalized response um, and has a lot to do with how we are as people as well as the uh, coping skills that we have to deal with these incidents that we come across. Mm-hmm. Bullying too, another example you hear yeah. a lot about in the news, it can be very traumatizing to children.
0: Well, one question I have for you, I, I've always been curious about this. It feels like, and maybe I'm I'm absolutely wrong and I'm happy to be corrected, um, it feels like when we think about children who, who've gone through traumatic experiences or it sort of define sort of the litany of things that you kind of you went down there in the history of the way in which we've looked at that. It's been that we are addressing that one child and that the one question that hasn't been but to maybe addressed the way that it could be or at least assessed would be the impact on the collective classroom or the other students that mm-hmm. right I'll give you an example real-time example so I live in Nashville and the, we had the Covenant tragedy earlier this year well class list just came out and found out that that one of my children has a as a uh, a fellow student that used to go to Covenant and so you can only, of course, as a parent, you start to think about that tragedy. You think about what sort of my child and other kids, if they hear it, like, are there going to be, con- how in essence do we prepare? Because you want to be supportive. You don't want it to be the thing that you, you kind of just want to be there, I guess, in the way in which that child and family need and yeah. do so with some level of awareness mm-hmm. um, and hopefully minimize maybe the ignorance, you know, the bliss of that, not, really having an understanding. And I'm just wondering if we've assessed and understood the impact. It's like the collateral damage, right? It's sort of like the impact of maybe an explosion going off. You kind of think, oh, wow, what else was impacted maybe a mile away? I don't know. Um,
1: So, and this is where um, we are hearing from our school psychologists and counselors in the school system. You hear about teachers and all that they're doing nowadays to manage a classroom. It shows up differently in children. So, um, you know, you could have some children who are having cognitive issues, so they're having learning loss and um, inability to learn because their mind continues to circle around events that have occurred that they haven't discussed or dealt with. Um, it can show up as hyperarousal, behavioral issues. So you bring all of that into a classroom and what one child may be exhibiting as to learning difficulties or ADHD or um, you know, anxiety might actually be because of these underpinnings of trauma. So, all the more reason why including an assessment to tease apart what's going on is very important. You know, we had a certain um, child that we were aware of that had been diagnosed with ADHD, but then you went into assessing the underlying condition and it was actually t- trauma related, um, the, the hyper arousal that was going on. So, thankfully, there was assessment provided because, you know, moving that down, they could have been then um, prescribed medication, a stimulant, which would have only made that
0: trauma response. Yeah. Then you track that student down a path that they really shouldn't have been going down and you run the risk of them becoming disengaged from the educational process. And then people might say, well, that's hyperbolic. No, that's actually how it can happen in education. It can be that simple. It could be that simple. And, and, that let's talk a little bit about the data, I guess, or, or sort of the understanding of data um, in this uh, conversation. Which is sometimes, and this goes back to my my previous days in mental health. But it, you know, you can have the best information, you get the best assessment, these sorts of things. But the minute that that the results, if you will, uh, are put in the hands of maybe people that don't potentially understand either the gravity of those results or sort mm-hmm. of. It's just hard to read, maybe, right? There's a level of it's almost like you kind of need glasses so you can really pinpoint what you're looking at. Help me understand sort of the, I would imagine, the challenges and the opportunities that the organization par has had in helping to educate those that you you work with so that they can understand, that they can digest the information and communicate it. Because at the end of the day, it's that last person that maybe talks to that young person or the teacher, the mental health practitioner that is communicating them the assessment and these sorts of things where. It can either go off the tracks or stay on on track, right?
1: Well, to me, um, Rod, it really is a multi prong approach. So it's not just the data and staying up to times with uh, the the clinical cases, the clinical the validity, the normative updates that are required in order to support the gold standard instruments we have, and and partnering with our um, you know thought leaders in those spaces. But it's also like we're doing now, having the discussions with the school systems, with educators, with parents to make them aware of what it is that they might be seeing out there and the importance in bringing assessment into it. Because what you may interpret be, based off of your experience as one thing may be very different to a teacher or a counselor that's there and actually um, teachers play one of the the number one roles of reporting. Vital role, right? Yes, yes. And so all the more importance of getting parents and teachers aware of a more trauma-informed approach.
0: Are you finding that they're asking more? Uh, sometimes I think it can be very revealing in the questions that we get, regardless of <laughs> the industry, right? From sort of the end consumer or the one that is a part of that equation, that as they get more sophisticated and have a better understanding, they can ask, I think, uh, more well-grounded questions that help to progress the conversation and sort of sort of the objective that maybe we collectively have. Are you seeing that over time our, our teachers and our mental health practitioners and parents are asking better, maybe bigger questions?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think COVID as a whole has brought this discussion of mental health to the forefront. And so as a result, teachers, parents, um, our school counselors talk about just the the topic at large, and how many directions our psychologists are being pulled in as a result to to meet the needs. I mean, we've all been through some form trauma over these past years with COVID. I mean, it it the isolation, the stress levels for such a prolonged period. That's why we're having this, as they call it, tsunami of mental health issues. And so, in the school settings, um, we are seeing just not enough resources to support the needs of the children, which is really too bad. But it just means that we have to find as a collective society, other ways of supporting our children. And I think teachers and parents are a big part of that.
0: Can you speak more to the tsunami? Is our, I mean, is one way to look at it, that just the sheer number of assessments that are being requested?
1: requested this the sheer workload um, we're seeing from our school psychologists there are just not enough resources um, to to support the number of students and because the escalation um, and issues that that they're seeing in the school systems I mean some of our customers have said you know threat to self threat to others those those instances have just skyrocketed um, in the school system which is really sad because it it just speaks to the challenges that the students or our, ch- our children are facing right now and coping with what has been really difficult few years. I mean, you think you and I, we've been around for, for many, many years. So that portion of our lives, we've been through other challenges and gotten through it and known how to get through the other end. But children, I mean, if 10 years, that's a huge portion of their life that they've experienced high levels of stress.
0: I'll speak as a, just a general community member, so I'm I'm very hopeful. Crossing my fister- fingers, Kristen, is that with all the safety concerns and the conversations that you and I never thought and our spouses would ha- have with our children, just about like, uh, you know, predator drill, like all these sorts of things, is uh, my uh, my hope would be that with Par's legacy and history, forty five years, that you would be integrated into conversations around safety plans, and, and is that. True, or or am I going to get disappointed by the response?
1: Certainly, our customers are, and we play a big role in partnering with our customers in order to provide meaningful data and information so that they can have really evidence based dialogues. Um, And with that, we're also seeing a lot of more resources in terms of teaching us how to cope with things. I mean, it's, I see it as a blessing in terms of what we've been through has raised awareness and allowed us to have conversations that before covid we just were not in a position to do it was this um you know taboo topic people people don't enjoy talking about their their biggest challenges let alone trauma let alone really horrible things that have occurred to them um, but that being said now it is a bit more free and with that then um, it raises the dialogue to a forefront where people can have the opportunity to not feel like they're alone in their challenges. And you look at the data in terms of the research around trauma, and it's actually um, been shown to be the underlying cause. Untreated trauma is the underlying cause of eight of the 10 um, leading causes of death, That, that trauma has significant biological impact. And then our inability to cope with what, or our attempt to cope with what has happened Leads to so many health conditions later on. So it's just so important to discuss it now so that we can deal with it. It can be addressed by professionals and um, people can be set on a, a, a more productive, more happier <laughs> sort of path.
0: Um, me, talk to me about the stigma of mental health within a school setting and then the assessment. Are we getting, are we evolving hopefully? <laughs> As a species or, you know, because I remember the day, I mean, even if you talked about an assessment, you might as well have just skipped it and said that, put a label on somebody, right? And and that was kind of the world that we all grew up in because anything that had to do with mental health, let alone an assessment, no. you were sort of branded. It was scarlet the scarlet letter already. I mean, it was not about just sort of commonplace. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen an evolution even since your time at Parsons 2010?
1: Absolutely. Significant. Okay, and then over the past few years notable. Um, I think now it's, again, educating the general population around the different conditions and that there are scientifically backed ways of determining and teasing apart what's actually going on, because it could be a variety of aspects contributing to what you're observing
0: let's talk about the look forward. Uh, So there's obviously what you would be offering as an organization now currently through all those different populations and settings. And I would imagine there are teams or discussions at the leadership level of sort of in essence, how do we stay on the cutting edge? How do we stay sort of ahead of things so that we're, unless we're asking the right questions that are, and they are gold standard, but how do we just maintain that? It seems like that has to be an incredible uh, feat to be able to do that because the world changes so rapidly. Um, so you can speak a little bit to that, but I, I I guess first off would be the sense of responsibility that you feel as a leader in that role, because it, that that's a big job. That and 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 this is my way, my weird way, I guess, of you, giving you credit and saying it's a really big job and a responsibility to know that, you know, if, if the ship's going in the right direction, we'll be able to assess and hopefully get people help and support mechanisms and, and resources out there. But if we sort of sit on our laurels and say, OK, well, we kind of figured it out, we run the risk of not being able to be there. When we're actually needed, right? And so that to me is the kind of thing when people lay down at night that they think about right before they go to sleep and that maybe powers them when they get up. And so I'm curious about that for you as a professional and as a mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you think about that in a way that drives you to have those? I would hope, I would imagine very generative conversations with your team about how do you stay abreast of what's going on?
1: Yeah, it really focuses around just staying. True to what our mission is, helping others, being a partner in that. Um, I would say second to that, and what we have been founded on is hiring great people and just taking great care of them, and being aligned and clear on what the mission is. Um, it it seems very simplistic, but uh, actually, our team and what we do is is what keeps me up at night. If we if we hire great team members and point them in the right direction. Um, that's, that's most of the work and just being there for them to take care of them and, and um, sort of be part of the dialogue. And then we have great uh, thought leaders out there that we partner with, but we definitely have turned into a technology company, which um, technology is changing rapidly. And so staying up with the needs of our customers in terms of the features, the data, the areas that we're evaluating the um, sub clinical subgroups that we then um, provide. The need for real
0: time data, isn't it?
1: Yes, it it <laughs> never goes away. So uh, hence back to then hiring great people to yeah. to continue that path forward.
0: Uh, last question for you with regards to the school component would be talk about, I know right now we're talking and we're some schools have gotten started, especially in the Southeast uh here in August, but obviously we're gonna be ramping up here in the next two to three weeks across the country. What is that that off time when it comes to engaging with schools and clients in the education space? Is it around professional development? Is it around trying to understand the challenges of the past academic year and what people are forecasting? What does that look like for you and PAR?
1: Yeah, it really does have to do with the professional development and getting them ready for many of them have, um, you know, associates joining them, new personnel joining them, getting them set up, um, getting them trained on resources that they need, and then just listening to what the needs are, where they're struggling, because it does look different in different parts of the country. Um, so, just serving as that resource to them, letting them know of what's coming from a product pers- perspective an offering perspective, um, but mostly we're just hearing about the the workload challenges that they face with what's going on, and so. Again, um, having the dialogue so that we can all come at a situation really with some curiosity, with some compassion, with some empathy, because uh, we're all part of this. It's not just our customer base, it's society as a whole. And and so just highlighting the importance of uh, keeping in mind that there could be a lot going on with the children right now.
0: Takes a village for sure. Uh, Kristen Greco, what a pleasure. I just so enjoy you. I think you've got such great energy and you're, I mean, talk about a fit. I mean, what PAR is doing and your personality, I think it's a, it's a, it's a perfect fit. It obviously has been going like that now for 13 years and counting. And I think our schools and our communities are better for that continued success. Where can people go to learn more and connect with you and or PAR?
1: Please visit us on our website at parinc.com. Otherwise I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I welcome the dialogue and, and thank you for the opportunity, Rod. Uh, as a professional, as a parent, as mom of three—I mean, you have kids yourself—it's uh, very near and dear to make sure that um, you know we can all come together and set our kids up for success.
0: Continued success and have a wonderful upcoming school year as mom and as CEO. Of <laughs> you. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.